Hello, my name's Agnes Crawford and I've worked as a guide in Rome for 20 years. Uh, you can find me at understandingrome.com or understandingrome on Instagram and welcome to my new podcast. Many, many years ago, I had a thought of tracing Rome's history through places, buildings and artefacts, a prism through which to view just one of the infinite threads that make up what I think is the most enthralling city on earth. This podcast seemed like a good place to finally do that. As the King of Hearts advised the White Rabbit in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, when telling a story, one should begin at the beginning and go on until you come to the end, and then stop. So that is what I shall try to do. To that end, today I'd like to begin by talking about the Temple of Hercules Victor in the Forum Boarium in Rome. The Forum Boarium is an area between the river Tiber and the foot of the Palatine Hill, once the city's cattle market. It is deeply rooted in the story of Rome's origins. Once an inlet of the Tiber, it was here, legend tells us, that as infants Romulus and Remus, who had been abandoned in a basket in the river in flood by a dastardly uncle, washed up in the branches of a fig tree. They were found by a she-wolf who would, in a nutritionally improbable twist to the universal tale of abandonment of babies, cast adrift, Moses, Superman, spring to mind, suckle those children. But the importance of this place on the east bank of the Tiber goes back even further if we follow the King of Hearts' exhortation to go back to the beginning, we are taken even further into the hazy realm of legend deep in prehistory. An ancient legend connected to the site, well before even the legend of Romulus, and ancient even for the ancient Romans, features in Virgil's poem The Aeneid. Writing for Rome's first emperor, Augustus, Virgil creates a Roman version, effectively, of the Odyssey. His protagonist is Aeneas, son of Venus, goddess of love, and Aeneas is a hero of Troy. After the fall of Troy, Aeneas had fled the flames of the doomed city and embarked on a meandering journey across the Mediterranean, of the sort favoured in classical literature. Writing in the 5th century BCE, the Greek historian Herodotus places the fall of Troy as some eight centuries before his time. So let's say about 1350 BCE. Now this is a date floating deep in that hazy realm of legend, but it gives us an idea of a story set some five centuries before that of Romulus and Remus and the she-wolf. Aeneas then is vehemently pre-Roman. After his torturous Mediterranean voyage, Aeneas would eventually wash up on the coast of Latium, south of the mouth of the Tiber, and there he followed the advice of the river god Tiberinus and sought an ally in King Evander of Arcadia. The Arcadians lived inland on a hill, named Palantium, for their divine ancestress, Pallas. 
this would become the Palatine Hill. Aeneas and his men rode upriver, aided by the river god Tiberinus. And after a night and a day of rowing, the poem tells us, the settlement of Palantium hoved into view. As they arrived, they saw Evander making an offering to Hercules in a grove between the settlement on the hill and the river. The sacrifice was offered in thanks for Hercules' slaying of Cacus, the monstrous giant who had lived in a deep cave beneath the hill and had repeatedly and brutally attacked the Arcadians and their animals. Thus the veneration of Hercules in this area of Rome predates Rome itself. In Virgil's poem, the account uh, given to us is this. This is from Book 8, line 185 is the first line, and this is the 1697 translation by John Dryden. Thus spoke Evander to his royal guest, these rites, these altars, and this feast, O king, from no vain fears or superstition spring, or blind devotion, or from blinder chance, or heady zeal, or brutal ignorance, but saved from danger with a grateful sense, the labours of a god we recompense. See from afar yon rock that mates the sky, about whose feet such heaps of rubbish lie, such indigested ruin, bleak and bare, how desert now it stands, exposed in air. T'was once a robber's den, enclosed around, with living stone, and deep beneath the ground. The monster Cacus, more than half a beast, this hold impervious to the sun possessed. The pavement ever foul with human gore, heads and their mangled members hung the door. Vulcan this plague begot, and like his sire, black clouds he belched, and flakes of livid fire. Time long expected eased us of our load, and brought the needful presence of a god. The avenging force of Hercules from Spain arrived in triumph from Geryon slain. Some five centuries after the legend of Aeneas, give or take, because we are, of course, firmly in the realm of legend, it would be in this very place that Romulus and Remus would wash up in the branches of that fig tree partially uh, swallowed by the river in flood, on a site effectively preordained as of great spiritual significance. And on the 21st of April of 753 BCE, which is a very specific date for a legend, I think we can agree, Romulus would slay his brother, and the settlement which would take his name, Roma, would be established on the Palatine Hill, where Evander, king of Arcadia, had once established his settlement. Rome was, indeed is, obsessed by its own origins. The genius loci, the spirit of the place, 
is found in every corner of the city. Modern street names belie ancient history at every turn. And one such road is found at the end of the Circus Maximus closest to the river. It is the Via della Ramassima di Ercole, the road of the greatest altar of Hercules. And this road runs behind the church of Santa Maria in Cosmodin, a church best known as home to the skull of St Valentine and to the mouth of truth, the large stone carving which will bite your hand off if you tell a lie. So the story goes, and with which Gregory Peck famously provoked Audrey Hepburn to squeal in Roman Holiday. If you enter the church and go to the area of the high altar, one can peer down into the gloom, or if there's a chap there, you can give a couple of euros and go down into the space beneath the altar of the church, where a medieval crypt was carved out of the base of an ancient altar to Hercules. Enveloped in the smell of damp tufo, you can see part of the stone of this greatest altar of unconquered Hercules. In Latin, the name was Hercules Invicti Ara Maxima. The unconquered bit gets left out of the street name. I think it was probably simply a bit of a mouthful. Traditionally, this great stone base to an altar of Hercules is attributed to the period of the kingdom. However, it is undoubtedly extended or perhaps rebuilt subsequently. One of these rebuildings is believed to have taken place in the year 495 BCE at the dawn of the Roman Republic. That's not a legendary date. We have by now emerged from the hazy realm of legend into history. And close to the altar, in the late 2nd century BCE, a temple dedicated to Hercules Victor over Cacus was erected by the Forum Boarium, an entirely knowing allusion to Hercules as the protector of Evander's flocks. This temple, which we still see today, is circular and was built in Greek, specifically Pentelic marble, from Mount Pentelikos. And according to Servius and Macrobius, both writing in the early 5th century as Imperial Rome limped down its final strait towards inexorable collapse, they tell us that this temple had been dedicated by a merchant called Marcus Octavius Herennus in gratitude for protection he felt he had been afforded against pirates. The temple's survival, as is so often the case, is down to its consecration as a church dedicated initially to St Stephen and subsequently to the Virgin. It is the oldest, intact, unreconstructed temple to still be standing in its original form in Rome. And today the temple stands in an agreeable small public space. There's a fountain, oleanders, 
some public-spirited benches. And it is across a busy road from the queues of people who will surely return to recreate Gregory Peck's jape in the portico of Santa Maria in Cosmedin, the church which sits atop the altar dedicated to commemorate the heroic intervention of Hercules. So Evander and his shepherds, Aeneas, Romulus and Remus and the she-wolf, the altar built by kings and this temple which we still see today, and which was already a century old when Augustus was given his title by the Senate, an event which would mark the birth of an empire cemented by Augustus' claim to a family tree, which took him all the way back to Aeneas, the Trojan hero who had rowed upriver from the coast until he encountered Evander, king of Arcadia, offering a sacrifice to give thanks to Hercules for slaying the monstrous Cacus. As ever in Rome, the hazy realm of legend and the nuts and bolts physically visible realm of history are inextricably connected. The temple which we see most definitely solid and material, is built upon those shifting quicksands of legend which underpin every aspect of Rome's history.